This episode of the Ink Studs is brought to you by House of Ore, Roll20, and Colonial Souls. All co-created by Nolan T. Jones. Nolan is an avid Ink Studs listener and appeared on a few of our book club episodes back in 2011. He'd like for you, his fellow listeners, to know that House of Ore is a fantasy webcomic that's a bit different from its peers due to the way it updates, using reader input that is not just choose-your-own-adventure gimmicks, but instead lightly shapes the background of the world. Roll20 is the most popular way to play tabletop role-playing games online, with nearly a half million users. One of Nolan's duties for Roll20 is running the digital artwork marketplace, where he helps distribute creator-owned role-playing content. Finally, Colonial Souls is an upcoming comic Nolan wrote about a dying alien race in need of ghostly spirits to inhabit the eggs of their next generation. Okay. Um, this is Inkstuds on the Road. We have made it to charming Burbank, the uh, oddest... Cult- cultural capital of California. The, it's pul- <laughs> the, the capital of Burbank. Yeah. It's a it's a weird town. It's just like one giant outdoor mall. Yeah, yeah, it's a little depressing. But so clean, I think. Yeah, you know? it's clean. Tom, Herb- as Tom Herbert says, it's safe. <laughs> yeah. it, it is safe. It, it it seems like it's safe to even like eat off the ground. Is that a yeah. concern of Tom's? Maybe I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to convince him to move to Echo Park. That seems where everyone lives. Yeah, a bunch of people, bunch, bunch of uh, cartoon folks live in Echo Park or Silver Lake. Seems like. Now, just so folks know who we're talking to, it's uh, Jesse Moynihan, whose book is Forming from No Brow, um, as well as Forming 2, which will be out probably by the time this is aired okay. at TCAF. Yeah, TCAF in May. Ooh. Yeah. And then, I think, available in June for, like, ordering. For the regular people. For the regular people. People right. who don't travel to comic conventions. And Jesse also works on, on Adventure Time. Yeah. And you guys... Brandon, my oh, yeah. tour mate. Yeah, uh, so Jesse yeah. are currently collaborating. Right. Yeah, we're doing an episode together. And also, we should mention that Simon Rory is here with us. Yeah. I may not say much, but I will be here in spirit the whole time. Now, um, Jesse was actually one of the first people when we planned this tour that we knew we wanted to talk to in LA. I mean, I've been really, when Forming came out, I was kind of like, it blew my mind a bit. Oh, thanks. Pow, pow. <laughs> um, and I think that's partly why Simon's sitting here. Yeah, it's not just so. your face he wants to look at. Wants oh yeah, to wants to look at my face. Yeah. Well, they, that's a big part of it. But, <laughs> yeah. you know. um, but maybe um, I want to kind of get more background on who you are because a, a couple of years ago I was like, who's everyone's favorite young cartoonist? And you came up a bunch. And you're like, I'm not young. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember... Uh, this is like a little bit of an aside, but I remember when I was 25 and I was in a band and this guy called to interview me uh, about our band and uh, to do a write-up for a magazine. And at the end of the interview, he said to me, uh, you guys are all young, right? And I, I was like, yeah, I'm 25. And then he just was like silent. And that's when I knew that in the entertainment world, I guess. That's not considered young or something. <laughs> you were wasting away? Yeah, I was wasting away. Every year after that, it was just like, uh, getting older. I gotta stop showing my face <laughs> in places and just sleep in a casket. Let people think I'm 22. Yeah. You know, prodigy. <laughs> um, so you did music when you were younger. Yeah. When you were young, the young age of 25. Yeah. We'll yeah, say yeah. that's young. Yeah. Simon. Yeah. Um, I thought it was young. Was comics something you always wanted to jump into, or is it something that you eventually... Uh, yeah, comics was something I always wanted to do since I was like five or something. And I you know, fell in love with the Ninja Turtles. That was... Uh, I remember seeing those black and white ones, the Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird ones, and uh, thinking that I could do that. So that was sort of like punk rock. Were those the ones with just... <clears throat> One color, two color covers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my friend, because the cartoon was out, and I was, I thought that was cool, but uh, then my friend Kevin showed me the the comics. He was like, "You gotta check these out, man. There's blood in them and stuff, and you know the drawings are more gnarly." And so, just to put it in context, how old are you now? Uh, thirty six. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and uh, 
I was really nervous remembering the Ninja Turtles a little better than you and feeling old. Yeah, yeah. You're not that much older, Brandon. Just to you. Uh, me and, so me and Kevin drew comics together. This was in uh, elementary school. And uh, I do never stopped drawing comics since then. And uh, it's sort of, I felt like it was like a cycle, some kind of cycle thing or life karmic thing that I won that Zarek grant from Peter Laird. Or whatever. Oh, nice. And uh, to me, I was like, this is a sign. <laughs> and what book was that? That was for the Backwards Folding Mirror. Okay. Yeah, because I couldn't find a publisher for that. I was going around to the SPX and stuff, like those cons and stuff, and handing my photocopied comics out to publishers. Was that the first book that you tried to get published? No, I had tried to get, I had like halfway done stuff for maybe a couple of years, just tooling around with ideas and uh, taking them around, like sending copies to Drawn and Quarterly or whoever I thought were good, you know, fanographics. They got probably thrown in some huge pile of stuff. I've heard about the fanographics piles. <laughs> yeah. and was, your, was, your, was your work as... Because um, it, it seemed like if, if you're doing work similar to anything in line with what you're doing now, it would be very hard for you to find a place that felt like they were... Um, no, my it. early stuff was more autobiographical. Okay. It was more... Um, just based on my personal experience. And also this, I was really influenced by, I think being influenced by Jim Woodring. And, mm -hmm. So I had that surreal element to it. Right. So. Did, did you go to any art school at all? Yeah, I went to Pratt, Pratt Institute oh, okay. in Brooklyn, yeah. <clears throat> was there any cartoonists teaching there at that time? Uh, not that I know of, because I, I, I dropped out. <laughs> <laughs> I just did the foundation year. I did the first year, dropped out. And then I went to film school at uh, Temple in, in Philly. About two years later, I started going to school again. So you grew up on the East Coast? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I grew up in Philly. Well, oh, okay. outside of Philly in the suburbs. Yeah. Um, what was this saying about Ninja Turtles? I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome back to Ninja Turtles. Yeah, Ninja Turtles. <laughs> so what was it about film school that interested you? Uh, well, okay, so there was a sideline where in high school I gave up on comics. Mm -hmm. And um, no, I, I just stopped drawing them as much. And I started making home movies more. And I got, I had a crew of friends who all were, if I was like, I want to make a movie, they'd all be wanting to star in it. Yeah. So I had like a, a film crew and <laughs> we made a bunch of movies and I got really excited about filmmaking. I got really excited about Sam Raimi and uh, all those auteur kind of like filmmakers where you could see the guy behind the camera yeah. I became really aware of you could do that you know not just watching blockbuster movies but these movies like even Woody Allen movies or whatever yeah like, it's all his yeah I could see his imprint like the director's vision happening like, yeah move the you know truck this camera like this way and it, it, and I had the mark of the, the auteur or whatever and so I got really excited about that and I thought I could tell stories that way so then I went to film school and uh, within four, the four years there I, I learned to hate film <laughs> filmmaking <laughs> and went back to drawing comics because uh, film, in film you have to raise all this money you people spend 10 years trying to make a film and that just depressed the fuck out of me. It's just, right, it's like at that point you can't tell a story, you become good at raising money. Yeah, you just become this guy who's like begging for money for 10 years to make your thing happen and, and there's all these expectations about how a film should look and uh, to be pro or, or whatever and in comics that just doesn't ex really exist. You, you can exist on all these different levels of professionalism. Mm -hmm. You just like can tell your stories immediately. So I remember that. I was like, oh yeah, I used to draw comics all the time. And, and, and Joe Dorowski does it, you know? So then I was like, I, I, can, I can do that, you know? So that's why he started making comics, because he couldn't raise money for yeah. his movies. And the rights to his movies were all tied up, so he couldn't do anything yeah. with his movies. Yeah, he couldn't do anything with his movies. Just, you know, draw, draw it for no money. Yeah. You know, just buy some paper. <laughs> Get someone else to draw it for you. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that comics are a, a way out for people who want to make movies, but which because that's a weird, slippery slope. Right, but if storytelling's your goal, then it's a very immediate. Yeah. 
Well, I think there's a, kind of a linkage between like what you are trying to get across and what someone like Jodorowsky is trying to get across. Like it's very, it's coming from a different section, which doesn't also happen very easily in film too. Like it's hard to engage and convey some of these ideas. I think. Yeah, and to convince a producer that to to that you're going to tell this story that is hard to wrap people's, you know, it, it's millions of dollars on the line. No one wants to take that chance, you know. Yeah. So, why not just draw it? You have the story there, and put it on the web for free, and then anyone can see it. And then, and then you've made a thing that's more special than any, almost any movie, you know. How did you end up falling into animation? Uh, that was because, uh, of basically, because of my pen pal relationship I had with Tom Herpick. Oh, okay. Uh, he saw one of my, I was making zines, this zine called Kaimagine. And uh, this also, with my friends, I was making a zine called Asafacado. And uh, we were, his brother, his twin brother was neighbors with my friends. Right, Peter Herpick. Peter Herpick, yeah. Was neighbors with my friends Colin and, and, and Doug and Ian in New York. And they saw my zine on their coffee table. And uh, so Peter gave, maybe Peter gave it to Tom or whatever, and then Tom started writing me letters and sending me his comics and stuff. And oh, wow. So we started collaborating, not collaborating, but sending each other. Whenever we had something new, we would send it to each other. And then when Backwards Folding Mirror came out, I thanked him in it. And then at SPX, the first SPX I ever tabled at with uh, uh, Bodega, uh, if you remember those guys. Uh, Randy. Randy. Yeah, Randy. Randy Chang. Uh, so Randy put, uh, distro was the guy who distroed Backwards Folding Mirror, and he distroed my early mini-comic before that. Uh, and so I was tabling with Randy, and Penn showed up, Penn, Penn Ward. And uh, this was before the show had gone on air or anything. And he bought my comics and then uh, liked them, I guess. Oh, nice. And then he saw I thanked Tom Herbick in the in the thing, and Tom was designing on the show already. So then he was like, "You know this guy?" And then offered me a job. It's a weird world. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was unemployed, and you know, it was like I didn't have any money, and I was just doing forming for for free. Yeah, it's it's originally <laughs> a webcomic. Yeah, yeah, it's still a webcomic. Okay. I mean, it's still, I'm still running it, serializing it on the web, and then collecting it in print form when it's done. That probably plays into a cool way about how Penn Ward selects people that he wants to work with. Yeah. And about how it's like, even the idea of like, oh, you know, you know her pick. Like yeah. that's a sign of, because uh, that, that is always the best way to find amazing artists is you find other artists with very high, <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> very yeah. high standards and you're like, who do they like? Right. You need someone to vouch for you. Some yeah. Sort of. Yeah. I mean, there's tons of super talented dudes who have, uh, you know, tried to get on the show or whatever, like tons, tons of yeah. real talented people. But I think there's a certain level of trust, that extra trust you get when someone is, is yeah. says, you know, you got to hire this guy because, well, you know, they're solid and they got good work ethic and, blah, you know, all yeah. that extra stuff. <clears throat> Besides being talented, you got to have all these other qualities, I think, to work on this kind of that kind of show. So you had no animation experience? No. Jumping none, into this. None, yeah. And that was like, what, the second season you started on? Yeah, second season, end of first season, I, I was doing re revision work. Yes. Yeah. What was your first episode again? Uh, I think the first episode I, I boarded was Crystals Have Power. That's right. In second season. That's kind of <clears throat> apropos for your work. Right. <laughs> it was kind of weird that they gave me that. They were like, hey, this one's got crystals in it, you should... <laughs> You should do it. Well, it's great watching the show and seeing, seeing the connection between it and forming because reading forming, it feels like, um, and I got into forming after I'd, I'd seen a lot of your Adventure Time work, and so it was really like um, taking a lot of the ideas that you'd already done, that you'd done the show a lot deeper in mm -hmm. kind of more adult directions, mm -hmm. which is really exciting to see. It feels like almost like this... Um, like if you found if there was an Adventure Time Bible that the deity of deities they found it'd be right. like yeah like the uh, like the Cimmerillion or something yeah like, you know, which I only read half of 
but it, it I don't was know if awesome. anyone's read that. I, I actually started reading this in Marillion when I was a kid and then found that my older brother had hidden uh, naked anime pictures in there, <laughs> and I got totally distracted by those and never finished. I read about maybe they half print of those it. in every copy. Yeah, I never finished it, but I thought it was great. I actually liked it more than the Lord of the Rings books. The I only read The Hobbit. Yeah, yeah. Cimmerillion is <laughs> easy. The Cimmerillion actually influenced me to make forming. That was like oh, interesting. Of the, and I didn't even finish it. It's weird. Like the grand creation myth kind yeah, of. Yeah, I was reading that. I was like, this is so badass. This is so crazy. And then that that inspired me to go from the work I was doing previously to to the my next thing. And sort of sparked it. Forming's such a big jump for you. Yeah. To yeah. like between the previous work. That was uh, a lot to do with uh, Dashaw actually. A conversation I had with him after after I finished the uh, Follow Me and I, I gave him an advanced copy of it because I, I was like can you read this can you tell me what you think of it I guess I was nervous or something I don't know yeah and we we met up in in, Brook, in Brooklyn I think and we just like walked around and had he, he gave me this really long critique uh, of my work that was so uh, helpful for me oh interesting that's yeah. amazing <clears throat> and uh he told me all these things I was doing that were sort of tied to uh, 60s, sort of like underground comic styles, and the stuff I was referencing that was sort of like, I don't want to say dead, but maybe stuck or something. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, and, I was, and, and, and then he also convinced me to post stuff on the web, oh, which cool. I was totally against before that. I, I think of Dash as, Dash was around when me and Tom Herpick were, were doing Meat House, and yeah. it's interesting to think of him in, in the role of, of uh, you know, teaching and critiquing other people's work. I think he's a, bru he's a brutal critic. Yeah, I've but heard... he was always in the kid role with us, because he was yeah, like yeah, a teenager yeah, yeah. then. Yeah, he, he really looked up to Tom, I know. Yeah, he... definitely. Sam yeah. Alden told me a story about how when he was doing his, like, eighth grade comic, yeah. and Dash told him just just stop it. <laughs> just stop? <laughs> yeah, just like, you need to move on. He just took and his I, pen and broke it. Well, like, he's just like, you gotta, like, work on, you, you don't want to be stuck in that, and that, like, was this huge breakthrough for Everything Sam. you're yeah. doing is bad, I just want you to know that. Yeah. I think if you're, recept if you're receptive to someone's harsh criticism, it, it can it can be really, I mean, I, I, I try to be like that. Actually, yeah. If someone has a tough criticism of my work, I try to really take them seriously and think about how I could, because I always want to change, so that's, like, my main goal, I think, as an artist is to keep changing and to keep evolving. As like, I don't want to be the guy who, 30 years from now, my work looks the same. Yeah. yeah. You know? Well, that was just it for Sam. Like, that totally, <clears throat> he became the, the guy that everyone yeah, yeah. is in love with now. Yeah. Because of that. Like, if he was still doing it, he'd be like, oh, it's that Craig Thompson kid. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I didn't think about that. So that's why I moved away from black and white. I needed like a stylistic de departure, and I needed, you know, to, to use different mediums that I wasn't using before, and and get away from my, a little bit get away from my navel gazing. Even though I still sort of am still doing that in some, in a less direct way, it's still all coming from some inner space. And well, is, oh, I was going to say an interesting thing in forming. That, that also shares a tie to Adventure Time is how you use really casual kind of almost like slang language and the way the characters talk. Because something that, that me and Simon struggle with in Prophet is making things alien and weird mm -hmm. and also making them, it's like we have to make a lot of concessions by, by making them make sense right. to the reader. And yeah. it seems like you've cut, it, 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 you've made a, a really good move by, by just allowing them to to talk like kind of modern normal people but also keep is that is that difficult to maintain it it was it's hard because when you it's i don't know what to call it sci-fi language or something mm -hmm. or fantasy language where um you get hung up on these concepts and then the vernacular becomes like secondary or something right. or like kirby where everything is like high velocity dialogue all the time and then you can't relate to it anymore yeah. it becomes some some other thing which works well I think when it's just pure space opera in the Kirby stuff but then once it goes down to the human level and he's dealing with people 
they're still talking that way. Right, and it's then, just space farmers. Yeah, like, yeah. Thou shall not plant the Urduyan crop here. <laughs> yeah, yeah and calm then, down, I, dude. Yeah, when I started forming, I knew I couldn't, I couldn't do that, or else I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to maintain it. Maintain it. I would, I would lose interest. Uh, well, yeah. Let's talk about the world of forming because it's. I'm really fascinated. When I first read it, it I was in a really big kick of. Um, looking at biblical and classical literature and yeah. just how that permeates. And I got a big vibe of that from it, um, of just like this idea of these different creation myths yeah. and also putting in like your own kind of concepts of ideas yeah, yeah. into it and just created like a new mythology in a way. Yeah, I think that was the culmination of years and years of, of interest in that and ca sort of casual interest where I'd be exposed to one thing. I worked at a video store where we had all the Joseph Campbell, Bill Moyers. <laughs> yeah. So I watched all of those like, you know, over and over again at work because there's nothing to watch at work. So I watch, would watch those and, uh, and just uh, like Sun Ra videos. You know, just <laughs> <laughs> that's the second time Sun Ra has come up in our interviews. This oh, week, really? Which is who, great. Who else was talking about Sun Ra? Ron Reggie Jr. was oh, talking yeah, about yeah. Sun Ra. I guess that's what you get into if you're getting into spiritualism. Oh, yeah. Man, someone that put space on music uh, Space is the Place. We had Space is the Place and Joyful Noise at my video store, and then just watched those over and over again. And got nice. so heavy into Sun Ra. That was, I mean, and he was into all that stuff, that the kind of monomyth kind of idea where everything's connected and. And there's no, no like truth is malleable. You know, yeah. stories. The, what matters is the how you interpret the stories, kind of thing. So you can create your own mythology uh, by using his, you know, whatever that collective Jungian unconscious expression of of you know stories is uh, or those archetypes. And then you just reach deep into yourself and you make your own version of it. And that's just as true as whatever Noah, Noah and the Ark, or or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> if 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 it resonates right and has power, then it to me it's it's real. You know. I remember you emailed me once about podcasts and stuff, and said you were going to start a podcast. Yeah, yeah, I did like three. <laughs> and that was on like Alien Light. Um, one of them was about alien. Uh, one of my oh well he works at Disney now no he works at Nickelodeon now but uh, Phil Rinda uh, who's a designer he was the lead designer on Adventure Time I did one on him where he had a UFO encounter like a close close encounter uh, and then I did a couple of ghost ghost encounter stuff you know and I wanted because I have so many friends who have these experiences and I wanted to start cataloging but I've been doing a really bad job of <laughs> <laughs> Continuing to podcast is not easy. Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's hard to get anyone to even... They'll agree to do it, and then to get them locked down for an interview is really tough. I did one interview with uh, Dave Taylor, and at the end of it, he starts getting really into talking about that kind of stuff. So oh, he would be a good interview just so, for you. Oh, about ghosts and stuff? About uh, aliens. aliens. Oh, yeah. aliens. Specifically, yeah. he's very... He's, a, he's an interesting, fun guy. Yeah. yeah, I think Coast to Coast also is one of those shows that... You grow up listening to, staying up late, late at night, listening to that, and stuff just like works its way into your, your, whatever your, your uh, hard, your hardwired with that. So, what do you feel that you're mapping out with forming? Um, it's you know, for how I think about forming is, it's to me, it's my own expression of my growth. Uh, it's, it's, it's not. I don't think I had any, when I first started working on it, I didn't want to have any thesis or anything. I just wanted, this is what I'm interested in, and let's see what, what as I go along, I know it's going to take years to finish, so as I'm going along and learning new things, I want to incorporate those, those ideas and just like keep uh, uh, absorbing stuff and then uh, like reinterpreting it and seeing if something coherent comes out you know and trying to make it entertaining at the same time not just like a I don't want it to be some kind of lesson that's well, not dogmatic at all yeah 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 that's the, it's the opposite yeah I want it to be 
so open that anyone who who likes weird shit it, it can engage it. You know, they don't. That's a good I, reader guide for it. Anyone who likes weird shit. Yeah, but I don't like those. You know, it's like. I think the difference between it's weird. I don't want to like those guys. This is a, my my criticism of 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 like Grant Morrison and Alan Moore and those guys. I think they have an identity. They have like an idea of what people need to know or something. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I'm going to mm-hmm. teach you a lesson with my comic or something. I'm going to insert my uh, magic ideas into you or whatever. And to me. I don't. I don't feel like a master or or, or a, uh, that knowledgeable to to say that kind of thing to anybody. Yeah. You know, and to that me, feels I'm, a lot more honest. Yeah, I want to. I want. So to me, forming is a learning experience for myself uh, as a way of discovering, and and it's a it's a it's a tool I'm using to find out things. Whereas I, maybe if I wasn't working on it, I wouldn't even be investigating. Would you say that you're kind of trying to build your own belief system through it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. It's definitely like helped me like uh, be curious about more. So I like, I need ideas for this thing. So I got to read this book. I got to, mm-hmm. you know, look into this other thing and, and hopefully, you know, get something, mm-hmm. some new insight into what I'm trying to explore. Do you feel there's any particular books that have especially informed you? Uh, the biggest one from the get-go was Manly P. Hall's uh, Secret Teaching of All, all mm-hmm. Ages. That's hilarious because two days ago, Juan yeah. Rigi pulls out that book Yeah, yeah. and Brandon's looking through it. That is hilarious and interesting. Yeah, you know, that book, uh, that's funny oh, because uh, I have a funny Ron <laughs> Rigi story, but uh, that book was introduced to me by this kid I used to call Conspiracy Matt. And I used to, I used to, when I was drawing at a coffee shop, uh, he would always be there. He was wearing, he always wore really tight pants. He looked like he was in the Rolling Stones. He had a little hat. He had gold boots and uh, he would always be reading Aleister Crowley and stuff. And I'd be looking at him and that that guy looks dark, man. That guy is scary. But then I started talking to him and uh, he, told me, he's like, one book you have to read is Manly P. Hall's Secret Teachings of All Ages. So I went and bought it, and I read it. And that was the huge, like, jumping point for, for, for me. And when I saw, before Ron Rigi's book came out, the, um, the Cartoon Utopia, Cartoon Utopia, I saw him do a slideshow presentation somewhere downtown. Uh, I think John Pham took me there. He was like, oh, we're going to go see John, Ron Rigi uh, do a slideshow thing. I was like, okay, cool. And I knew his comics from uh, Kramer's Ergot and uh, uh, some other stuff I'd seen him in before, but I hadn't really been that familiar mm-hmm. with his work. And then he was showing slides from the cartoon Utopia, and I, like, my head caught on fire. Like, I got, I was like, fuck, like, my book better come out first. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, this is all the same shit source material I'm using, like, for, you know. That's interesting because you guys are going such completely different directions. It's completely yeah. different. It is. It's totally way. different. But but when I saw that, I could I knew his source material. We were reading the same books, you know, and into the same shit. And 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 I got really the competitive part of me, <laughs> like <laughs> turned on, and I got really scared. I'm gonna lock the secrets of the universe before this. Yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I got scared that people were gonna say I was biting off of him or something. I don't know what. You know. Well, it's interesting because like. Thinking about this source material and where he's coming from, it's a very yeah. literal yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, exploration. Where with you, uh, which is why the Manly P. Hall book is interesting, is you're taking all these different things and you're throwing it into a soup, yeah. and then you're bringing in some aliens and right, right, something's coming out of yeah, that. Yeah, ancient astronaut stuff. Yeah, transgendered. Yeah, yeah, astronauts. transgendered. That was uh, the transgendered thing came from. I had a re- I was really. Uh, uh, what do you call it? I, I watched this documentary about Philip Glass, uh, about uh, his, him making the opera called Akhenaten, and uh, in in it he talks about how Akhenaten, the, the pharaoh, uh, who introduced monotheism to, to his uh, people, mm-hmm. uh, was um, a hermaphrodite, and the idea that he he's also a god. 
you know? Yeah. And then that, to me, that connected to the idea of, of uh, the angels being both men and women or whatever yeah. in Christian mythology. And then, so then I started connecting. I was like, oh, I started make, I wanted to ha use this theme in my books that men and women, uh, when combined, are like uh, a super, superhuman yeah. thing. You know, this other, like, uh, that maybe men, when men and women separated, uh, that, that's like the, the fall of, of humans or something. That's like the, when they were expelled from the Garden of Eden. Like, like gender is like kind of a dark crystal thing? Where yeah, it's gender the... is like a dark crystal. Also like the dark crystal when the, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like Thanks, that. Brandon. Bring it back to yeah. Yeah. Maybe Jim Henson was th thinking about the same, similar things. You know? Yeah, I mean, I, I would not be surprised. Yeah. In First Nations cultures, uh, two-spirited yeah. um, is actually like a high status in certain tribes. Because um, that's closer to the ideal of, of, the, of the one being that when the crystals were formed in the thing. and Yeah, yeah, the one being. Where do the dark crystal monsters go to when they become that? <laughs> You're just trying to talk about uh, <laughs> I don't know. Wait, do they shoot up into the sky or yeah, something? Yeah, probably. No, they're just like floating. They're floating there. They just hang out there? I don't know what they after do after a while. They're like, is there orange Julius around yeah, here? Yeah, what, what do they do after? <laughs> they want to address the mundane aspects of being. Which is something that's interesting because one of the, that's one of the things that you really do in forming. Yeah. Is you have these god beings and you address their like sex lives and just yeah, like, yeah. you know, the guy looking in the mirror and, and stressing out about his hairline and things right. like that. Right, yeah, yeah. I think I, I, you were talking about that too, though. Like, what do heroes do? Like when they when they have to take a shit or something like that. Right, that sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to talk about the poops again, right? No, right. Just, you know. But but yeah, it's really important to kind of ground these heroes. As yeah, you got to ground them in something. I think you know if you don't do that, it's it, yeah. I, Especially with forming, it gets so weird. It's like if you don't do that, it's like you're saying about language. Yeah, yeah. Is that something you like? Does it feel kind of? Like dishumanizing them, something that you think about, or is it something that just comes naturally? I think I think sometimes I have to force myself to do it. Cause sometimes I get caught up in really high concept stuff, and mm -hmm. I don't want to come down from it. But then, if I if uh, if I don't, then I know that I get really scared of being hacky, you know. And uh, I think that's always in the back of my mind. Right. Is this like is this corny or <laughs> you know? And. Uh, uh, I'm always scared of, of crossing that line. I don't know. So that I think that's why I take it down a notch sometimes. Mm -hmm. Or I try to pull it back into... And when we work on this stuff, is it is it fairly pre-planned, or do you just kind of let the story take you places? Uh, I, what I do is I, I write a huge arc, broad, mm -hmm. super broad. And uh, I have a list, all the characters tracked, what happens to them. Uh, sort of a one-page breakdown. And then I thumbnail about 10 pages in advance, um, and I'll do chunks of 10 thumbnails. Mm -hmm. But as I'm going, um, I'll change it because I'll think this is more this is more fun, or right. this is more interesting, or great. You know, it's it's not just plot mechanics. You have to take it beyond plot mechanics yeah. into something that's actually fun to read. Mm -hmm. You know. Because if it's just plot mechanics, shit gets real boring. It's like you know, you're just going by the numbers or whatever. So then, if the thing, the idea I have breaks my whole <laughs> plot, you know, whatever I had written up into that point, the whole arc, then I'll just break it and then yeah. I'll rewrite everything again. Nice. You know? That sounds so, really important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I've rewritten the arc it's like countless times now. And then who knows? Even it's just something to make me feel comfortable mm -hmm. or safe. Like I have a safety net in case everything goes wrong. You know? right. I at least know that I have some idea of where it's supposed to go. Are you trying to find particular roots for things? Is there particular ideas that you want to kind of explore, like a central thesis behind? I think that uh, it's a you know, uh, or is that too weird a question? Well, I think that the motivation is just ex exploration. It's an exploration of my own uh, struggles, like the things I'm struggling with and the things I, I want to know and things I want to 
work out in my personal life. You know, there's a lot of, not a lot, but there is some stuff in there that's a reflection of stuff that's going on in my life. You know? What do you uh, mean by struggles? Uh, like personal struggles, like personal, like Noah and uh, Gaia is a, a standard for my, me and my ex-girlfriend. So that's all just tracking this thing that that was really traumatic for me. And so I act, I'm acting it out through the story in a way to exercise it from my, hmm. my brain, you know. And that was like five, five six years ago. <laughs> but that's when I started this thing. So, you yeah. know, it's like, you got to see it through, right. I guess. Is, and is that, is that difficult when you're not emotionally at the same place the characters are? Uh, yeah, uh, but I can always remember it. You know, it's all, it's still there. I mean, I still have nightmares about her sometimes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I track that stuff in Adventure Time, too. Like, I mean, you, you use whatever you can. Yeah, I was really so. impressed in the episode that we're working on. I'm not sure how much I want to throw around about it. Yeah, but yeah. I was really impressed at how the outline they gave us was such a very basic thing. And you added uh, so much emotional weight to it. In, in ways that I didn't expect, which is really, because yeah. that was that was one of my big fears in working at Adventure Time. It's just like, is this going to feel as authentic as some of the other episodes? And you just showed up and were like, and there's this and this and this, and <laughs> right. I was like, oh, he's got it. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, uh, the writing style for the show has be has evolved into this place where you just you you don't feel right if you don't. In implant that kind of like emotional weight. Yeah. Somewhere, even beneath the comedy, you try to. You find some some weakness in yourself to exploit. Yeah, and, and then like, you can, and then it feels so much. I mean, for for me, it feels so much better because then you the comedy feels more natural than doing like a forced joke with no backing. Right. Yeah. You need. Yeah. If there's a thing, the initial joke, and then the thing beneath the joke that uh, stings or like has a mm -hmm. where people are like, ah, oh, I know that feeling or whatever, you know, then that's the extra, that's the extra joke or like resonating. Right. Power, you know, if there's that potency behind it, that's, I think that's what you're always shooting for. Yeah. Something I was talking to to Tom Harper about earlier today, and we were getting lunch, was the idea of how you guys are almost like you're working on this incredibly popular show that is like bringing up a generation of kids, and is like one of the rare things that a lot of adults want to watch in animation, and yeah. and just intensely influential in, in people's lives and ideas and what you're doing and then you do something like forming and it's almost it's like your real work and your personal work but it's it's like your secret work and you become in your you know it's like you can go to any comic convention and see a ton of kids dressed up as things that you came up with right and quoting things that you said yeah but then not knowing your name or yeah. your other work is that is that weird what's that experience it's like real weird <laughs> it's like it's like the luckiest thing ever but it's also really anonymous too it's 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 uh, not as anonymous as i th as i think now because the of the internet super nerds know yeah who worked on what but whereas maybe 15 years ago we'd be crazy anonymous you know yeah. now there are nerds <laughs> or whatever <laughs> dweebs dweebs there are guys <laughs> people in in the in the world who you know, write me emails and stuff, and they know, right. know you worked on that, or whatever, I know you came up with that character. And do you think readers find your comic work through the show? Uh, a little bit. I think there's a little bit of, but mostly, I think kids focus on the thing they like. So, a few kids who are curious will look into what the people on the show, other things they've done. I've gotten emails like that. Where right. I was a fan of Adventure Time, and I saw your comics, blah, 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 and now I'm really into your comics. Or even the other way around. I loved your comics, and I saw you worked on the show, and now I watch. That's what brought me to Adventure Time, is I was, yeah, yeah. Yeah. knew so many fantastic artists were on it. That I was like, I should finally watch it, and then I'm soaked. Yeah, yeah. But it does, you know, ultimately, even though I have this awesome opportunity to communicate with so many kids and, 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 and insert my ideas into their, mm -hmm. into their lives or whatever, it's... It's awesome, but also it's ultimately it's it's Penn's thing. You know, yeah. it's, it's not it's not my thing. Uh, it's a thing I'm really happy to work on. Yeah. But uh, the identity of the show is Penn Ward. So does that make it feel like kind of a a transitional job for you? Yeah, I don't know. You know, I. Well, you're working on something right now. I'm yeah, I'm working on my own my own thing. Yeah, but that is probably just going to be a, a mini series or something like just maybe a six episode. 
thing as far as I know. Is there something very different from you? Like, would you, do you think like you'd feel as artistically gratified just doing animation or just doing comics? Is there, um, or is it just the stories? I think I, I'm so attached to comics. I, you know, the comics is a thing that's so independent. It's so like, it's the one, it's one of those art forms where you can just do it and you don't need a corporation to back you. Yeah. You, know, you can, you can do it with uh, a go go you know whatever like a website yeah or or yeah Kickstarter or whatever now you know you don't need that money behind you so that means that all your ideas are super pure you know and with a show even like a show like Adventure Time or whatever if I created a show for whatever network or, there'd always be ten guys looking over my shoulder saying I can't do certain things. And it's nice to have those constraints sometimes. You know, I like the constraints of Adventure Time, like writing jokes for kids uh, and trying to make them as creative as possible. But it also is nice to have this other outlet where no one's saying no, absolute, no one can say, tell me what to do with forming, you yeah. know? And so it's the ultimate expression. Right. And do you have that ever when you're working on your forming work and you're like, in the back of your head, like, this will never pass the sensors, and you're like, oh, wait, that's awesome, and it doesn't matter. <laughs> no, 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 it doesn't, no. I, I barely think about that with Adventure Time, even. Yeah, I was but, really surprised what, what we could do in there, like, I think vomiting yeah. got cut. Yeah, yeah. And um, I worry about that later, like, I'll yeah. write the thing first, then someone tells me what can't happen. Oh, I liked a lot what you did the, um, on the first, something surprised me a lot on the first pass of the boards when we were working on them. You put a lot of real swear words in it, which oh, I yeah, found yeah. incredibly entertaining. <laughs> yeah. Now, you're in kind of in a unique position of like, talking to folks at Venture Time, everyone has like their storyboard team. Mm -hmm. But you've done solo episodes, and then yeah. you also pair up with folks like Brandon who come in and yeah, yeah, yeah. do an episode. I did one with Jillian Tamaki and Sam, nice. Sam Alden. Oh, nice, nice. Uh, Derek Ballard I did two, two episodes with. And uh, a few other folks, a few other folks, yeah. Is it that you've been working on a show so long that you have such a good feeling for the tone that, that or is um, it that you're one of the more guys that are comfortable with jumping on new stuff where other guys might be like, I don't want this struggle? Um, I think what it was was my my long term partner Akko quit. Okay. And we had done several a bunch of seasons together, mm -hmm. and she decided to pursue her own thing and get away from animation. And so when the it was like, well, I got to find a new partner, and then just we couldn't. Find we couldn't find one who was willing to work, live, move here, who had the, who had the storytelling chops. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know all the things. There's tons of factors. Yeah, you know, uh, like someone might be a really strong drawer but can't tell a story, or yeah. someone might be a really good storyteller but can't draw. You know, or doesn't understand needs time training in the language of uh, animation, which is different from comics. So different. Uh, yeah. So. Um, it was hard to find a permanent new partner. Because you like doing episodes alone, mm -hmm. um, I remember watching some of your episodes, they come, they're very different. Um, they're more, I want to say conceptual episodes. Yeah. Like it's less gaggy and it's more just like weird ideas. Right, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think uh, that's just, uh, this is another thing that Tom and I talk about, it's as, we're so deep into it now that you're just struggling to keep your head up above water and struggling to keep new fresh ideas coming out yeah and so you go into this zone or you don't you stop thinking about jokes you just want to tell something that intrigues you you know and the jokes hopefully like <laughs> emerge you know but mostly you just go in order to make this stuff come out and make you like so that you feel proud of it, you have to go into this headspace uh, where uh, you're just pulling from like this personal place. Yeah. Me and me and Tom's personal place is different. You know, he's yeah. really different from me. So what comes out of hi him in that way? But I know our process is really similar. Uh, his stuff isn't as like mystical or whatever as, as my stuff but it's more like conceptually like sort of um, 
I don't know how to describe Tom's stuff, but it's the same thing where we, we both will say to each other, I don't know if my thing's funny this week, you know, because I had to pull this thing out of my ass, and the only way to pull it out is 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 to to go into your deep zone. You pull it out your ass the most painful way imaginable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so at this point, uh, I'm not even thinking about jokes anymore, you know? I, I'm just hoping that I'm naturally funny or something. Are you ever worried that, like, this isn't what they want? Is it, I, I think if it's not, they'll tell me. I don't know. So far, they're like, look, it's great, you know? I talked to some... I talked to one of my bosses, and he was like, that episode was awesome. So I was like, okay, cool, I'm... Doing, I'm still doing a good job. I'm not ruining the show yet. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Do you ever uh, hear back from like those heavy devoted Adventure Time viewers, or just like this one I had once? Oh yeah, it's I've fucking s- weird. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen it on the internet. People who know who worked, who worked on what, and they, some of them don't like me. Well, yeah. I, I watch the boards by, I watch the episodes by animator a lot of times. And I'll be like, oh, a new episode came out. And I'll like check to see who boarded it. And that'll be like, oh, I'll get to this one. Or I'll, like, yeah, yeah. I have to watch this now. You know? Yeah, right. <laughs> it's pretty exciting to think, like, especially with you and Tom and Steve Wolfhart. Yeah. Um, like, I love being able to just see the ideas that come out of you guys so quickly mm-hmm. on a show or with I know with the comic like who knows when Tom will do right Tom, another Tom comic. takes like seven years between books yeah, yeah. he also <laughs> draws incredibly fast too so he's probably just sitting on a million comics no one will ever see no he's not he's he just I mean he draws but he I mean you could talk to him about his hang ups about comics but mm-hmm. we do me and we him I, I, tomorrow yeah yeah I bring up uh, Tom a lot just cause me and me and him talk about this stuff a lot. You know, we sit around at the cafe, talk about our inner struggles <laughs> a lot. So I know, I know, I have some insight into Tom's uh, creative world or whatever. Yeah. Um, we'll pull it out of the same Yeah, yeah. So Tom, how come you can't? Uh, <laughs> where's your new book where's your new book at man well, I, I have a folder of a bunch of his unpublished work and there's some comics in there that just like he just you know didn't like that one yeah, yeah he's got he, a lot of ideas but uh, yeah what, so in your work do you, do you is there an urge to publish every story that you draw or is there any stuff that you do is there do you have personal drawings and things that don't get out there I was uh, keeping a really super personal comic journal uh, for a little while that I sort of discontinued mm-hmm. I could pick it up again but at, at the height of my depression whatever right. uh, like a year ago or so uh, I was tracking I was tracking it. <laughs> do you feel like was that just normal life stuff or was it something more severe uh, I think um, it's a thing I've always had it comes comes and goes I did a I did a talk with um, Adam Warren and uh in a Seattle convention, and he was talking about the severe depression that he had, that that he uh, that he had to work through while he was working on some of his early comics, and yeah, and I had just gotten to the point where I was like, oh, I just was like heavily depressed last year and just got on medication. I was trying <laughs> yeah. to wonder if that was a thing that just is in line with an artistic temperament. I think uh, yeah, uh, when maybe ten, sometime in high school, that became a, a thing I used. You know, like becoming. Getting, uh, tapping into that depression mm-hmm. uh, and finding creative uh, inspiration from it, which is like a sick relationship to have with yourself, you know. And by the time I, maybe I got to about twenty twenty three, I started to try to change mm-hmm. that because I got so dependent on being a uh, depressed person. And I uh, actually, from watching those Sun Ra videos, that's what helped me change my mental mode nice. a little bit, like, um, which is a whole long story. It's hard to explain why Sun Ra helped me in that way, but uh, I, uh, I started focusing more on aspirational ideas, like rather like what is bringing me down, rather focusing on what I want, uh, what I want to uh, aspire to or something, like in my brain, or mm-hmm. so my work changed then. But I could never kick totally that melancholy cynicism and depression and stuff. You know, and does the work help that at all? 
like when you, when you do something with the emotional weight that you do now? Or if if I didn't have the work, I thought probably would die. You know, but I don't know how much. You know, if I didn't have an outlet for it, but I don't know how much it actually. Besides, I don't know how much it helps. Really. It definitely feed, it feed, it can feed on it. I can go to that dark place and use it, but I try I try not to. Right. You know, but it's there. It's always you know it's always hanging around that uh, melancholy. But sometimes it's worse than other times. You know, mm -hmm. so I went through a period of time maybe from when I first moved to LA to about a, a year and a half ago, where it was like crush, you know, every day was like this soul crushing mm -hmm. depression. <laughs> but you know, having so much work, you just sort of, for, you know, you, while you're working, you sort of forget about it. Was it something you, that you it? had to actively think about to get out of, or did, was it just time? Just time, I think. Yeah, I didn't have any like real solution. But I was keeping that journal. I was like, this is my journal comic that no one is gonna see. Right. So was moving to LA, was it a big cultural uh, shock for you? Was it very different from where? Yeah, it was different, but it was better. Actually, it helped me mm -hmm. moving to LA. Also from coming the East from, Coast. you know, such a high-profile, exciting job <laughs> to, yeah, yeah. to not working before or oh, not working. Oh yeah, yeah. And Philly is really rough. Like Philly's a oh yeah, like a rough. I lived some some. The fucked up places. <laughs> and now here we are. And then I moved to like palm, palm trees in seventy-five degree weather. Yeah. Like, Don't lose your edge, man. <laughs> <laughs> I want to lose my edge, man. <laughs> Just hang out in the outdoor mall soften up. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I'm gonna bring us to a close. All right, cool, man. Thank you so much for coming, yeah, thanks, Jesse. Thanks. This has been really great and really informative. Yeah. Um, as we mentioned before, talking to Jesse Moynihan, who is currently working on Adventure Time, and his book is forming. And Forming 2 will be out mid-May. Mid-May. Yeah. Um, and uh, you can find more Forming online at... Uh, just jessemoynihan.com. Awesome. Yeah. There's nothing on there right now. But <laughs> <laughs> I just mean, you can site. look... Well, you can look at the archives. Yeah. There's no new shit. Right. But the stuff up there is fantastic. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you so much, Jesse. All right. Fra motori